should work great i am actually surprised it let you sign in and start talking before i signed out on my end but um okay twitter space did something right for once you know anything we can do to avoid just spinning up another space just so the link we've been promoting all week stays relevant that's really the end goal (laughs) why do i feel like it's now bugging out for you (laughs) okay okay knock on wood i actually I genuinely think there might be something bugged about your account because <laughs> I have like five different accounts on all my devices. I do spaces fairly often and this weirdness happens every time with yours. So I don't know what's up with that, but um, we can, we can explore ways to get around that in the future. I think if I, if I'm not crazy, <laughs> okay, then maybe our solution's easy. You'll just post and I'll join from the Timmy account in the future. Because I feel so bad. It's like one of my few jobs. And when it constantly bugs, I'm like, no. <laughs> You're on desktop, right? They did switch it up. That's gone. Okay. Yeah, now we're good. Yeah. What's going on? Not too much. Um, yeah. It's been a same old busy week. Uh, but overall, things are, are great. Um, excited about a lot of the stuff that's happening in Cosmos right now. feel very good about it. You know, over the past two years that we've been, as we've been here and like monitoring things and looking at stuff, like I think we're in a place where we're having like a really good influx of new innovation um, at a pace that is like sustaining the cosmos narrative and making it like it, it's sort of like giving it the legitimacy that I think it's long been needing. Um, and I obviously we can see that play out in token prices, but I think like a lot of folks are you know, with Celestia and with like some of the marketing efforts done by folks adjacent ecosystem, like really realizing that Cosmos is like a extremely legitimate ecosystem um, and are also choosing to deploy here, which is very exciting. Yeah, it's taken, it's taken a long time for us to get there. But I, what I always say about Cosmos is like, it's just been consistent, you know, like consistently is there, whether it's like it goes up like in, in terms of hype gets hyped up and then sort of gets hyped down, but like in these little micro waves, as opposed to like a macro mm-hmm. wave, which is like some of the other ecosystems out there. And I think, I think that's like, that's one of our like principles at 42 is just consistency. And like with enough consistency in an ever-changing space, I think you, you succeed over time. I definitely think that's true. I mean, like the way that I've thought about Cosmos and the way I especially see it now is like, I think basically the natural order of things, like the natural, um, what's the right word? Like the, the, the entropy of blockchain and crypto is to create multiple things, right? Just more. And 
I think Cosmos correctly identified early on that folks are going to want to build their own blockchain. Mm-hmm. And they're going to want that level of control. They're going to want to have, you know, their own ecosystem. Um, and I think for that reason, it's they're sort of it's like Cosmos is sort of timeless in this in this sort of like vision of you can build whatever you want and you can have your own thing and you don't have to sort of like pay rent to other folks and like, you know, be part of some broader ecosystem that you don't necessarily identify with. And I think anyone who disagrees with that or like an ecosystem that doesn't agree with that like is essentially fighting uphill to make their vision happen. Because I think the natural order of things is to like have more chains. Like I, I truly believe that this is like where blockchain goes. Yep. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Um, let me invite Timmy up here. I see he has a requested talk. Are you able to speak to me? Because I know he's got some questions prepared for us. Nice. Welcome. Beautiful. Sorry, guys, had to switch devices, and then Twitter had an update on the phone, but um, yeah, glad to be here. Don't want to interrupt. Hey, yeah, I guess we're just talking about the, the sort of end goal uh, for, for this blockchain ecosystem. I mean, yeah, Mag, we haven't actually caught up in a while, but I, I know what you just sort of mentioned about this end goal for the, for the ecosystem or where, where you see it ending up. I mean, and I guess this is what we're sort of thinking with 42 is like, how do we be this interface to, to this interchaining ecosystem to a large degree, or at least an interface to the, to the interchaining ecosystem? Um, I mean, yeah, how, how do you see, like, we'll see that stuff playing out? Uh, like, like you specifically being an interface or just like what interface. of an interface? Yeah. Interfaces, got it. Um, well, to answer the first question, which you didn't ask, I'm, I'm bullish on 42. Uh, but in terms of uh, interfaces more generally, I mean, I totally think this is the case. Like, you know, you can have all the chains you want and you can have like, you know, all the good things that come with that in terms of like, you know, isolated communities, really tight governance, um, like very product focused infrastructure design. Mm-hmm. But generally what we've seen is like most folks, like the, the reality of the situation is most folks like, kind of can't figure Cosmos out because it's just very complicated. And like, we don't think it's complicated because we use it, but like for folks that are coming in from, you know, like have different context, uh, it's just generally kind of confusing. You're like, wait, like, I don't know what Osmosis is. I don't know what Juno is. I don't know what, you know, Barachain DYDX is. Like, I, how do I do IBC? Like, wh- what are the tools here? Um, and that's just still a real problem. Like, it just hasn't been solved. I think we've made some steps. Um, I think like, you know, uh, not to shill ourselves, but I, I do think like the stuff that we did with Kepler was like actually helpful here. Like, I think the fact that you can like now swap and like the new changes to Kepler, like really helped uh, most crypto or most Cosmos folks like have a easy place where they can just do a simple thing like transferring and swapping across IBC. Um, and like, I think that's going to expand. Like, I think the, I think like, most future Cosmos projects are going to be IBC first and they're going to think about themselves as like building interoperable, like building in an interoperable way with other chains, which is literally just not how they thought about it a year ago. Most folks were like, I'm going to launch a chain. It's my ecosystem. I have my smart contracts. Sure. There's this IBC thing, but we don't really care about it. Um, 
Whereas like now, like everyone is building with like IBC, I think from like the ground up, like in this interoperability first way. Um, and like, that's just now the standard. And like, that's super sick in my opinion. Yeah, completely. And I think it's like, it's kind of funny that, that people a year ago were not thinking in this way. Because I mean, if we just look at like the history of technology and where technology is going, it all just starts connecting, you know? At the end of the day, it's like, I don't want to just be stuck over here. Like, of course, it's going to start connecting. And, and that's what, yeah, I guess that's what people like, like the Skip team are, are out there to solve. It's like, how do we actually connect these things up to a large degree? I mean, obviously, IBC, but, but you guys have made that way more efficient. So thanks for that. <laughs> um, I don't think we made IBC more efficient. I think we just literally threw an API in front of it that people could understand and like, that was it. That's all it took to like make it a little bit easier. Uh-huh. And I'm excited for other folks to add more stuff to it. I think one thing that we haven't done that I want to see more folks contribute to ideally is like actually improve the core protocol itself, add more primitives, add more interesting things to IBC. You know, of course you can add another API to it, but at the end of the day, like, you know, we're just standing on the shoulders of like actual mech design. Yeah. Um, you know, like I'd love to see ICQ more widely deployed. I think that'd be sick. I'd love, I'd love to see like more developer tooling around ICAs, mm. um, stuff like that. Mm. And I guess theoretically, with this new influx of eyes and funding and um, and sort of hype, for lack of a better word, on the Cosmos ecosystem, that's that's sort of the fuel to the fire that that creates these guys to actually dig in and be like, wait, I think there's problems here with like ICQ, for example, let's try to fix this up. You know? So it's like, I think, uh, I think with these, the cosmos tech stack has got us so far along this journey. Like, but now as we, as I was saying earlier about consistency, it's like, because we've consistently been there, um, people are now starting to come in and, and find the, the holes in the ecosystem and, and patch them up to, so to speak. Yeah, totally. Um, totally. Timmy, I know you had some questions lined up for us. I don't know if you want to jump in here. Yeah. yeah. Also, I just want to call it, I've just been nodding along with like every word. It is, it is an issue that, you know, the average person in Web3 kind of forgets about because we've learned about it. We're using it day to day. You forget how insanely complex and, and hard to you know, enter and get going this whole world of Web3 is, especially Cosmos. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people using Ethereum, for example, are barely using Ethereum. They sort of understand what's happening, but like they think their tokens are in MetaMask, not on Ethereum. So then you try and introduce them to Cosmos with different chains and wallets. And yeah, yeah, c- couldn't agree more. Um, but yeah, so I think maybe it'd be interesting both of you guys are doing sort of first time or i don't know if first time but startup projects sort of forging your own path creating your own um you know entities out in the market and i'm a little bit curious daniel i somehow don't know this already about you and mag of course i don't on your end but is this your guys first experience fundraising for something that's you know completely yours and in-house you want to go first Dan? yeah i can go first um yeah this actually this is my first startup i have i have started a a non-profit before which i still oversee in south africa but this actually is my first startup that i have fundraised for so yes um and 
it feels like because of the long journey that I, that it's taken uh, to get here, because obviously I've started this about two years ago, it feels like I've fundraised for multiple startups because it's been like a, a long fundraise journey. But uh, finally, we've sort of got to some some destination at least. I'm particularly yeah. curious for both of you, actually, fundraising for a Web3 project that doesn't have a token. Like, I feel like that's somewhat unique. It's something we've been working out how to do with Interchain Info, and it's the case for both 42 and Skip. So from that angle as well. Yeah, take it away, Mag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's definitely harder in some ways. Like, I think investors, are, you know, they, they, they've sold tokens in the past and they've invested in tokens and, and they've seen that work for them. Um, and so when you basically tell them like, look, we may never launch a token. Uh, we might in the future, but like, there's no promises here. It totally changes their perspective on like how they see the exit because they're no long, like they no longer see the quick path to sort of like holding the tokens and selling it. They actually have to like believe that you can like be acquired or, you know, have some kind of like serious revenue. So like the entire conversation changes and you start to like see people shift it out of, you know, oh, like, well, what's what's the narrative that you're going with? Like, you know, how are you going to do your incentives, stuff like that? And more into like, okay, like what is the product you're building? Right. Um, because like they know that you're going to have to like generate real revenue uh, to like sustain yourself um, if you're not launching a token. So it was definitely challenging and it definitely like, took out, I don't know, maybe 80% of the available investors that we had seen, um, which was okay. I mean, like, you know, we really didn't want to launch a token right out of the gate. I'm glad that we didn't. Um, and I think like there's, there is need in crypto for tokenless projects because being tokenless is like a very freeing thing in some ways. It allows you to build things in a way that I think a lot of other folks can't. Um, it allows for you to align incentives with your partners in a very unique way because all of a sudden their token is how you're funded versus pumping your own token. And so naturally your incentive is to like be their ally, right? And to fully try to, you know, raise them up and help them become more powerful versus, uh, you know, use them at your own expense to sort of like, you know, put out partnership announcements to sort of like uh, increase your own. And it's fine that folks do that. Like, I'm not saying, you know, people, folks with tokens or project tokens are bad. Like, you know, maybe Skip will have a token one day and, you know, this is how this ecosystem works and, you know, it's exciting and it's, and it's great. And it, and it can be great for decentralized projects. And I do believe in that, but there is a place for tokenless projects. And I think it takes a little bit of time to convince investors of this, but I think like, I, if, if I had to go to our investors now and like ask them, you know, what, what do you think about Skip? And like, do you think this was a good decision? I think most of them would probably say like this was smart um, and that it wasn't like a mistake to do this. Yeah. Sort of my general feelings on it. Um, I actually want yeah. to say on that, like totally. the other quick, th other quick thing I want to say is like uh, tokens are very distracting to a team. So when you're raising and when you're starting a team of folks, uh, and you have a token and you t generally you'll tie a lot of their incentives and their pay to the appreciation of that token. Right. And like say, oh, we'll give you some kind of allocation and, uh, you know, you can sell that. And that essentially represents the value of your equity. Um, that can be very distracting in early stages when 
No one really knows about you. The token value is extremely low. Um, you know, you are, are having a hard time getting the word out there. And so all, all of a sudden, as like a, as, a, as a team trying to build a product, you're spending more and more time, you know, trying to post and trying to, you know, get mindshare around your project to, to pump the thing that, or to, to increase the price of the thing that your employees are incentivized by and less time building product, right? So like, I like this model of launch something, get it out there. I, this doesn't work for everyone, but like launch something, get it out there, build a product, get PMF. And then afterwards, like when you find a, a, a like actually reasonable way to decentralize it and it makes sense for the project, like token is a great path. Yeah, we tend to yeah. agree with that at, at 42. We're on the same thesis because I, and, and sorry, Sifa, I see you have a, a question too, but um, yeah, I think there's, there's some bug yeah. in this space for some reason. So I think I'm not sure if all listeners have this problem, but like the sound is skipping, sort of like skip protocol. Um, like so I can hear people for <laughs> maybe, a little while and not much time. So I kind of maybe came up 42 can, can can connect it. It's a problem now that I'm a speaker. It just didn't sound right as a listener. Oh, damn. Yeah, <laughs> your your account slash Twitter spaces are just cursed right now. That that's a shame. Mm-hmm. Um, if other people are having that same issue, maybe just toss up a couple emojis. I don't know what we can do about it, but it would be good to know. It Hopefully it's fine. just a second problem. It sounds fine as speaker. It just, it's a problem as a listener. Like maybe it's just me. Okay. Uh, I see it. Yeah. Jake's getting it as well. Jake's saying mm-hmm. the sound quality is really good. He's giving a thumbs up. <laughs> or does it's, it's it mean unclear. that? Yeah. Unclear. Mm-hmm. Jake, thumbs up for good sound quality. Thumbs or different emoji for bad sound quality. I should have specified. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, I, don't, I don't know what we can do about that. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be all right on the recording at least. Um, um, we, we could try restarting the space is the only thing, but then that'd be a new link and a separate recording. So not sure if we want to Costa, Costa, can you hear us? Thumbs up for yes. Jake says no. Okay. Okay, yeah, they're all getting, I guess, awesome thumbs downs. God darn. Damn it, Elon. That's weird. Okay. Um, what should I do? Back to Clubhouse, fellas. Back to Clubhouse. <laughs> Let's move to Clubhouse. Um, Back to Clubhouse. I'll leave your call on this, Daniel. It probably would help to restart the space, like just make a new one, but that also comes with downside. So yeah. your call. Okay. Um, Mag, you for you, you, can I send you a new link? Uh, yeah, the only problem is I did plan for this to be 30 minutes. I know. Um, so let me quickly I, send you a new link and we can jump on. Okay. Cool. Okay, we'll do this rapid fire. Yeah, rapid fire. All right. Okay, so yeah, spin this one down and then get a new link up and we'll see you guys over there. Apologies. And thanks for letting us know though, Sefi. Appreciate that. Although... Very interesting. I did not accept you up. Daniel, are you also on this account somehow? I'm I'm so confused. <laughs> oh, just got an interesting message. I can't even look at it. Um, hopefully Daniel hops in here in a second. We have five minutes left of your time. <laughs> kind of funny how everyone just writes off Twitter bugs as like, oh, it's buggy, you know, whatever, but 
a lot of people pay for this platform as a service, like the 42 account here pays for this badge. And the fact that it just doesn't work 80% of the time is pretty annoying. Uh-huh. Well, I'm not sure where Daniel is. Um, I'm assuming he's having some errors joining or something, given our luck. Mag, I just keep hearing you say, mm-hmm. Are you talking to someone? This is This is ridiculous. What the yeah, hell? I, I, so I do think there's like a distinction here, right? So like, it's it's clear to me that Skip should not have had a token, and it's clear to me that like, I don't know, you know, if uh, if Etsy were to launch, there's like a there's a debate that or, or like a new product launches, like there's a there, there's definitely like an argument that they should not have a token, but I think if your fundamental product is a community, it makes a lot of sense to have a token initially. Um, like, and I, I mean that like your, your product is your community, meaning you, the, the, the ecosystem is there and, you know, the, the place is there and it's already created, but your expectation and the way that the product improves is via community effort, right? So this is, I think why tokens make sense for new chains for the most part. It's like you get everybody bought in with the initial vision, you know, they buy in at some lower price and they're immediately incentivized to help grow the platform. And so this is basically like a nice network effect because for the most part, like when you buy Apple stock, you're not expected to participate in Apple, right? You're not, you're going to be not going to get hired or like expect to sort of like deploy things on Apple. Like, you know, whereas in crypto, there's this expectation that if you, if you buy a lot of something, you, you try to give what you can to support that, investment and support, you know, the, the ecosystem itself. Sometimes that's just via, you know, Twitter posting. Sometimes that's via, you know, analysis. Sometimes that's via obviously building or building smart contracts or et cetera. Um, and so th- there's a concept in crypto that Sam Hart once sent me that I really liked. Um, it, it's, a, it's a blog post somewhere. I could try to find it at some point. It's called protocol market fit. It's very different than product market fit and sort of a play on words to, to adapt it to crypto. The idea is basically like protocols have their own kind of market fit. Basically, they, they have to have some kind of vision and that vision translates to a community. And then the community is what builds the vision, right? And the community is directly incentivized to do that by having ownership and upside in the vision becoming true. And so really what you're not founding is like a product, right? Really what you're founding is like, like a new country, right? Like you're writing a constitution for what this could be, but you're not selling it to people. You're trying to get them bought in so that they can contribute to make that vision happen. Like, you know, let's say United States. Um, And so like, I think there's, there's definitely places where tokens apply and where they don't. Um, And I think, you know, these get easily confused and folks will oftentimes put tokens where I think it's better left as a product. And I think people will, Sometimes, I mean, this is less often because tokens are obviously very fun and very attractive, but sometimes people won't launch tokens when I think there could be one, probably. Um, for example, like, like, I probably shouldn't say this, but there are some chains right now that don't have tokens that I think eventually should have them and will do very well with them and, you know, will create a great, you know, decentralized governance community out of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, yeah, that, that's what I have to say. I can't hear anyone. I don't know if you're talking Dan. I can hear you. Um, I actually just jumped up as a speaker, so I could actually listen to you guys' interesting conversation without the audio issues. But 
Mag, can you hear me? Now I can. Okay. Have you been talking to Daniel? Because I haven't heard Daniel once. He's down as a listener for me. I'm so confused by what's happening right now. This is ridiculously botched. Are you hearing me and Daniel from the same account at the same time? What is happening? Elon, get your fucking ducks in a row. This is... Um, for anyone else listening, they're doing this thing where they're joining from the same account, uh, and it always fucks up spaces. Daniel, I don't... Yeah, I don't... Okay. I don't, I don't know what's happening. I give up for today. I'm, I'm done. You guys are both speaking from the same, same account. I don't, I don't know what's going on. But this was yeah, I an interesting to... conversation. See, that shouldn't even be possible. I'm just laughing out loud at my computer. Um, yeah, I'm very glad that you're like a, because uh, I'm here sweating. Like, oh, yeah. fuck this up. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, Mag, I know you have to jump out. So, sorry for the botch space, um, but hopefully we can do it again uh, with more finesse next time. I mean, I can stay a little bit longer. I, I, I want there to be like some meaningful content because um, I know you guys put this together. But as long as one of you can hear me, my recommendation is one of you hop off. And uh, just yeah. leave it to one person. I think we're good now. Yep. I think we're good now. Yeah, yeah it's, it's working. Good. It's working for me. No, so exactly yeah, if we can steal a couple more minutes of your time, we, we'd be happy to. Um, yeah, totally. Given the short time, Daniel, I know we had put together like a little sort of bullet point list. Is there anything in particular you want to touch on before Mag has to run? Um, um, I kind of liked what Mag was saying. Now, I know, Jake, you probably have um, some thoughts on that. I don't know if you want to. Uh, pop on stage and and speak your your thoughts on the on that community stuff. I guess I guess just one quick note on that. Like what Mag was saying is like I guess it's this like big value misalignment between investors and uh, who who want the financial profit and community. As you were speaking to Mag, who who want to be part of the sort of journey of a protocol. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of mismatch that happens there. But but Jake, I don't know if you have any thoughts on on that. I actually completely agree with everything that Mag said um, around projects with tokens and projects without tokens. Um, and I think that more people definitely should consider projects without tokens. And as soon as you have a token, you can't actually, especially for what you guys are both doing, it's like when you have a token, you're like now competing against that other chain. And so if you're building something that's like a really, like really an inner chain product, um, you know, like you, you want everyone to work with you, right? You want all the chains to work with you. Um, and the best way to do that is actually just not have a token. So um, I don't really have too much more to add, like on top of nice, mm. like elegant thoughts. So like, I completely agree with him. Nice. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, I think that's such yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, I think like the, the interesting thing there, sorry, I, 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 that was my bad. That no, 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 please do. Space. I just switched account to skip for some reason, and I forgot that like it would just completely uh, Roy uh, the space. But yeah, like I think the interesting thing to explore that you know we're obviously curious about is like, I think there is a way to launch a token for a product that does service a lot of folks and is integral to their ecosystem in a way that is aligned with them. Um, you know, like I'm trying to think of like what's the token that does this well? Um, like maybe like the Pith token does this kind of well. I think you know they have a token, but uh, you know the way that they distributed it was really sort of a, as a thank you to the uh, users and the chains that integrated them. Um, like I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, 
Yeah, like this is something that we we think about a lot internally because you know at some point we want Skip to be decentralized. At some point we want there to be community ownership, and you know we don't want to do that in a way that um, in a way that like makes folks feel like we're competing with them because that's not the purpose of why we launch a token. Um, but I understand how that incentive, like you know, liquidity is liquidity and volume is volume and price is price. Like I I understand how having a token could could appear that way but yeah we're trying to avoid I also that. think I think slowly the definition or what people think of when they think a token is starting to change a little bit like there's a lot of projects coming out that are using tokens but they're not necessarily your standard now I can no longer hear anyone <laughs> oh, no okay maybe just me Daniel can you hear me you jump in I can hear you okay, okay only cool. Mag can hear me so ignore me um maybe pass this question along Daniel question for both of you um what are your number one or maybe a couple top tips for fundraising in general? Jake, can you Other hear what's going on with 42 right now? Yeah, I'll let you jump in, Daniel. Um, I would say my top tips for wait, fundraising... Wait, wait, wait. Can you let Mag know I asked that question because he can't hear me? Question uh, for both. Pass it along. Yeah, his question for, for both of us was, what are the top tips that we have for fundraising? Um, so I would say, I would say on my side, I would say building relationships in advance with investors and like, and, or potential investors, like, and, and really attributing not just, and, and it's so hard in, I guess, a bear market when founders are like, sort of, they want to pursue or build and they need, or, or at least they, they uh, perceive that they need the resources and and a lot of founders sort of become desperate for money, at which point you drop your standards of of what types of investors you want. And I think that that's like really difficult for, for founders in, in a bear market situation. Um, whereas obviously in a bull market situation, once the power dynamics reverse, it's very easy for founders to sort of choose their investors, I would say, to to a large degree. But one thing that that we sort of found extremely, extremely beneficial was just consistently building and and keeping our investors in the loop. Like we had some investors that sort of a year later were like, wow, I can't believe you're still here. Here's some money kind of thing. And um, quite a few of our like significant investors in the, I mean, we've only just raised a pre-seed, but quite a few of our investors in this pre-seed just like couldn't believe the, the persistence um, that that we showed as as a team. And I think I think a lot of it is relationship building and and building trust in in uh, in early founders in uh, uh, getting VCs to to trust in the early founders I guess over time. Mag? Yeah. No yeah, I mean I I think that's right. I think relationships are critical. I mean I think like what is kind of important but also <clears throat> excuse me, also annoying to think about is like as a founder um like investors are you know, like VC investors are just like, they're just another class of folks dealing with a certain risk return model, right? Like there are folks that invest in small businesses and there's folks that invest in giant beauty SaaS companies. So there's folks that buy crypto. Like these are all investors with certain kinds of risk and certain kinds of expectation of reward. Um, and so I think a trap that a lot of, founders can fall into is they think they have a business that can make money or they think they have a business that is exciting, uh, but it's not the kind of business that's exciting to a VC because VCs are looking actually only for a very specific kind of business. 
they're only looking for businesses that mostly fail, but like if they work, have a huge, huge potential upside. And generally, like this rules out like 99% of the businesses that are important for humans, right? Like it rules out pizza shops, it rules out, you know, uh, anything that sort of makes a consistent revenue that doesn't really grow and has a small market. And so there's many businesses you may want to found that as a founder can make you very personally wealthy and actually like have a big team that are just still not exciting to investors because it doesn't have the kind of return or potential for return that they're generally looking for. Um, so I think this is like something that I've, I've realized over time, like, that's why I think, you know, VCs naturally and for good reason will gravitate towards, you know, founders and gravitate towards projects that are, are really new and really exciting. And yes, extremely risky and probably not going to happen because they're looking for that kind of risk profile, right? Like their mandate from their fund is to do that, like, and, and to, to do hundreds of bets and only one of them will work out. Um, and so to embody that at like, the founder level takes a lot of uh, courage, right? Like you have to be willing to sell an idea that is so big or something that seems kind of crazy. Uh, and like, basically, oftentimes what I've found is, you know, or, or what, not necessarily what I've found, but what I've seen is, you know, founders who do that, oftentimes investors are very responsive and they're like, wow, you know, that's crazy. I like that. You know, let, let's give it a shot. Why not? Because, you know, they're, they're, they're built to sort of invest in those kinds of things. Um, obviously this, this is not to speak for all investors, you know, some investors, the investors in Skip are likely a little bit, you know, perhaps more rational because you know, we, we don't have a token and we're not built like a normal crypto company. Um, and I, I don't mean to say rational is that they're smart or anything, but just like, you know, the, the risk profile might be a little bit different, um, than let's say if you're investing in like Blast or something. Um, but yeah. Mm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean... We we at forty two, so we're currently going through this like long hash um, at AZ um, accelerator at the moment, mm-hmm. and and what like our mentor at, at long hash said it quite well the other day. He's like, because obviously we do this whole thing now, and it's like there's a demo day, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he's like, how do you position yourselves to be in that sort of? He's like, not ninety percent of the companies we see are somewhat similar, but if, then there's the ten percent who are like doing this like crazy vision almost like which is very out there and like that's those are those like moonshot ideas but then of that 10 percent, also there's like some that are like just not going to work kind of thing so it's like you want to be in that like i don't know maybe like seven percent or whatever it is or five percent of the pitches that are actually these moonshot ideas and Mm -hmm. and how, how do you as a startup position yourself for that because yeah, I think I think a lot of the like in that ninety percent, there are the, these these moonshot ideas where if we had to execute everything according to plan, yes, you would take over the world kind of thing, and and shoot these huge returns. But a lot of people are pitching the similar ideas in that space, so you're dealing with the competition there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of um, just like on that, I, I don't know if this is sort of designed to be like an advice space, but you know, I think I one know. thing that it's whatever, so whatever space. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one piece of advice, I guess, no, no one's asking for it, but I'll, I'll give it anyway. Um, is you know, I, I think that the main thing that I see early, early founders struggle with is they just don't know who the investors are, and they don't know how to like contact them and like get in the room with them. And that is like, mm. 
very challenging. Like I totally understand that. Like some folks are just not plugged into the ecosystem. Right now I have a friend who just quit his head fund, hedge fund job that was making a lot of money before. And like, he doesn't even know how to enter into Cosmos and he's very interested in it, but like there's no support for him. Um, and I think like, you know, for, for that kind of stuff, there's very basic things that I think work. Um, I think like, I think Twitter is a great way to have your ideas discovered. Honestly, um, it sounds kind of like, you know, cliche, but I see folks like post about things and then someone notices it and like, you know, you sort of like build this network slowly, but it does take a lot of time. Like when Skip first, when I first, or when me and Barry first had the idea for Skip, we had no idea who anyone was. We don't know who Jake was, you know, we don't know who Sonny was. We don't know who like any of uh, the, the main, you know, voices in the room were, uh, but we just decided to show up to consensus as two, you know, people who just quit their hedge fund jobs with no idea about crypto. And we went to a Cosmos event and, you know, started, I think the first beer I got with the Cosmos person was a developer from Secret Network. And he was talking about Secret and I was like, you know, that sounds crazy. That sounds really interesting. And then slowly, like I, I met a, you know, bunch of people in that room. And then eventually I, I spoke to Jake and I spoke to Kevin from, you know, Oni Validator and I spoke to Zucky. And those are the first people who are like, oh, that's cool. Like you should build that, you know, you should launch that on here, here and here. And I was like, wow, you know, like there was huge alpha and just showing up. And like just huge alpha and being in the same room as folks and, and trying your best to like find them and talk to them. And if you're, you know, if, if you're honest and you're um, excited about what you want to do, like oftentimes people respond to that even at the highest levels. Um, so that would be my advice in terms of just like getting the momentum started, uh, because I do know that it's like hard and it, it can be very discouraging in the beginning. Yeah, I, I second that. I mean, I'm also relatively. I mean, I, I joined the Cosmos ecosystem two years ago and also I didn't know who anyone was. And it's just, once again, uh, I know I've mentioned this word a lot of times on this call, but consistency, it's just like consistently showing up and being there. Um, and that's what does make the startup journey so hard is not only do you need to execute on your product, but you also need to be good at like understanding the different dynamics at play and like who, how to get, yeah, how to get your product out there, how to meet the right people. Um, and the, yeah, I guess, I guess, but, but it's like, there's no easy, I, I don't think at least there's an easy way to, to fundraising. Um, because that initial, like it's it, the, the initial barrier cuts out a lot of like the, the sort of, um, I want to say poor, like a worse quality fundraisers, but that is, that is a quality that, that actually i think is needed in a in a startup um in a startup ecosystem or mm -hmm. or in a startup it's like one of the qualities that's required is like how do you navigate that but but yeah i mean i think i think also just one of the books if anyone ever listens to this um that i always recommend about fundraising is actually a book called i always recommend it to new founders looking to fundraise it's called fundraising by ryan breslow and um it's sort of like i guess the silicon valley approach to fundraising and it's like it's all really about like you're not fundraising until like and you're not fundraising you're just getting to know people and then ideally once you open up your round it can fill up very quickly because you've built this this uh this big network of um, of investors 
Um, I think I think there's that sort of like the general approach, and you can sort of tweak it in your own way. Um, I mean, it, obviously, considering it took us like two years to to close a pre-seed, I wouldn't say that it necessarily worked that way for us. But um, I know, like I see Adair's on the line here, and I, I know he had like a, um, a a much easier fundraising process, and I know he he also has listened to that book before. Hmm. Yeah, maybe I should read it. <laughs> I think it's worthwhile. It's a, it's a, it's an hour audio book um, on Audible, so it's like a podcast essentially. You can listen to it in an hour at like one point five speed. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the other thing is like, uh, like fundraising doesn't really matter in some way. Like, of course, it matters, right? Because it allows you to get resources, but ultimately, like, it doesn't make you successful. Like, you know, yes. r- raising ten hundred, you know billion dollars like doesn't make you anything and doesn't make your company anything in the eyes of its customers like at the end of the day the only reason you're doing fundraising is to buy time to find the thing that people actually want to contribute and like in that way you're sort of like you know you're a servant to your customers but now you're like a levered up servant because you're now you're burning other people's money as well and Mm -hmm. so like if anything it just adds a sense of urgency or hopefully should and it's definitely like it doesn't like it, it's a win for sure, but it's not the win, right? And I think a lot of folks see it as like, oh, I'm a I'm a founder who raced, right? Like that's a very exciting thing to to be mm-hmm. and, and and a very big goal. And, and including myself, like I I always wanted to be that, and I thought it was like a really awesome thing. And what I realized like was you know raising was annoying, but also basically the easy part. Like actually building something was much more important. Mm-hmm. And I've seen folks essentially focus on the latter and the former becomes a very easy process if you do that, right? Like if you focus on building, if you focus on actually mm-hmm. trying to find something that people want, like I think you can generally trust that there's always going to be an investor out there who's going to be like, okay, that makes sense. You know, like I will fund it if, if folks have something mm-hmm. that's like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think finding things that people want is also an iterative process. So like when when I started 42, it was like we were building on a, such a different tangent to where we are now, but we raised like 100K here and that sort of gave us enough momentum to like explore a few more ideas. And then we'd raise another mm-hmm. 100K and then we like explored a few more ideas. And now, um, and now I, I think as you, as you correctly say, now that we've raised a pre-seed, it's like, does this path actually make sense? And we can now hire a team to actually move the ball forward in this direction. And if it doesn't, hopefully this pre-seed gives us enough um, sort of runway to, 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 to move the ball in another direction mm-hmm. after. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's like, I guess it's like, it's like this balancing act of sort of finding product market fit and then raising enough and then using that to find product market fit again and, maybe raising again and then like pivoting. I mean, there's always multiple like pivots in the journey. I know, I know you guys have, have also like moved directions a couple of times at Skip. Oh my I God. Mean, yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, so yeah. Um, Mag, I know we've run way over on your time, so I really appreciate that. Um, I'm sure you have to jump probably now, but I got um, call, call in nine minutes. So I'm, I'm, I'm vibing for a little bit longer. Um, okay. I mean, yeah, I just want to make sure you guys had some content here. I know it's frustrating. I've been through the exact same issue that you guys have just been through. Um, 
Yeah. But what was I going to say? Yeah. I mean, I I think, I think all of that checks out for me. Um, I don't think you necessarily should judge your product by the amount of money you can raise. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of the most exciting businesses are fully bootstrapped uh, Mm -hmm. and, you know, they're just as good as others. Um, Yeah. I think there, there's reasons to fundraise and it's sort of like fundraising can buy you time. Right. But ultimately, you're, stay, you're always trying to achieve the same goal, which is finding something that people want, whether that's, you know, a community that they want to be a part of, whether that's a product that they want to use. And that should always be the North Star. Right. Mm-hmm. And like you can focus on it directly and hope the funding will come. You can try to find, get the funding first to, to get time to do that. Um, I've seen both work really well. Completely. Um... I'm going to invite Adair up. I know Adair's probably maybe has a question. He often does, but um, if you do Adair, I'll just request you to be a speaker. Um, yeah, Timmy, you have any other questions in store for us? Um, there's a couple. Let's see. What's a short one, maybe? Um, yeah, maybe on a lighter note, actually. Um, what has maybe been like a surprisingly enjoyable part? Yeah, I know. Pass this along, Daniel. What's been an enjoyable part of the fundraising process that maybe you never anticipated or never saw? And yeah. The question is what's been an enjoyable part of the fundraising process that I never anticipated or never saw? Yeah, particularly something surprising. Uh, an enjoyable part of the fundraising process, like for us? Yeah, something surprising. surprising surprisingly enjoyable um or surprisingly easy generally it feels like a distraction when you have to fundraise and it it is i think a distraction um just going back to my previous point but in terms of what's been fun uh i think it's like it, it can be a good place to um get feedback about your business like also, I can't hear Timmy, so if I'm talking over him, I apologize, but I, I can see he's kind of talking, but yeah. Anyways, um, it can be a good time to get feedback on your business. Like, you know, we've gone, we've talked to a lot of investors about Skip, and every time we talk to, to, to them, sometimes, or, you know, often, but then, you know, especially sometimes we get really, really good insights about why folks think this won't work. And that's usually the most valuable thing. Like, it's, of course, it's nice to hear people say, I think this is going to work. But a lot of times we get people who put a lot of time into thinking about whether they should put their money in Skip and they say no, right? And like, it's helpful for us to know that. And like, basically what they're saying is like, we don't think this is going to work. And like, if I'm a founder, that's, that's what I want to know. Like, I want to know, like, why don't you think this is going to work? Like, I'm curious, like, and a lot of the concerns that some investors had um, were always valid. We never invalidated them. Um, and some of them ended up being true. And like some investors who didn't invest when we were an MEV company, you know, uh, because they thought MEV market was too small or they thought it wasn't an exciting enough product or, or the market wasn't really structured in a way where we could become profitable. They were right. Like they were just flat out right. Right. And I think with the, a lot of investors realized that, but still decided to invest because they thought we would figure that out for ourselves and they thought it was a good jumping off point. But, you know, we collected a lot of good feedback in the process of raising, um, especially from the folks who didn't say no. So I guess like another piece of advice, like, you know, 
when people tell you, I don't want to invest or like, I don't want to retweet your announcement or I don't want to do something like that's, that's feedback, right? It might feel a bit painful, but that is feedback. That's people saying essentially like, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, and that's always good to know and, and try to dive into. And if you're fortunate, people will sort of give you color on that. So I think that, pro- that process was enjoyable. It's nice. Uh, it sounds like uh, you might be a bit of a masochist in a way because you, you find the hard, the hard but fun is what you're saying. Which is, Tell Mag I actually <laughs> kind of resonate with Yeah, that. I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm burning 100, 150% here, right? Like, mm. I'm spending all my time, all my thoughts, all my life and making major sacrifices to start the, to start Skip and, and to, to run it. And I think most founders will, will feel the same. So it's like, I want to know if it's going to work, you know? I want, the, I want the real deal. I don't want to be living in La La Land. Um, mm. And so... Yeah, like to me, that feedback is valuable because for me, I'd rather, I'd rather not do something that like I force versus, I, like I, basically, I'd rather do something that I, I know will has some legs on it, right? That I can build off of. That's generally how I approach these things, um, and I'm excited to solve people's problems, and I want to know if I'm not, you know. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I guess I guess on my side. Whatever I found fun over the fundraising process, I think I think I've really enjoyed the ability it gives you to to meet to meet people. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I actually love doing most in the world. And to be honest, even though we've been fundraising for or, or took us as mentioned two years to fundraise, I, I didn't hate the process. Um, it was it was definitely hard at times, and hearing no's as as you said, it, it's definitely hard. But I think all in all, I, I actually enjoyed the process. It's like, for me, it was some of the, I guess the, the question was what was surprisingly fun. Like I personally, I know I snuck into like so many events that I wasn't necessarily invited to because I knew the right investors would be at those events. Um, and I actually like made a pretty much like an internal game out of that. Like I remember... Uh, in Paris, uh, in Paris, like two years ago, there was the A16Z event at the Ritz Carlton, and like, how did I like? And I used to sort of map these things out. It was just me going to the conferences on my own, like, and map out ahead of time how was I going to like navigate into all these events. And I met some of the most amazing people through through just doing that, um, through like sourcing sourcing the right events and then and then getting into them. Um, so that that was one thing I found super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, actually, I really like presenting on stage, actually. Like, I found that fun. Like, just a good way to broadcast your, your product to a bunch of captive ears and then, and then have the conversations with the people afterwards who come and seek you out to sort of either resonate with, with you as a person or with what you're trying to build. And, and people come afterwards and, and start seeking you out. And I think that, that's been one of the, the, the super fun parts for me about, about the fundraise journey. That's cool. Yeah, I'm sort of afraid of public speaking. And so that's one of my least favorite parts. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is cool when people vibe with your idea. Like, yeah, yeah it's always fun. I love it. Yeah. Tell, tell Mag extra run. apology um, for today. <laughs> thank you guys for hosting the space. Uh, cool. And hopefully I could have, I provided some intelligent thoughts. Yeah, you did. That was amazing. Thank you so much, Mag. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Bye-bye.
All right, everybody, hopefully we'll have a slightly less buggy space next week. It'll be around this time. Look out for a post. Um, usually do it at somewhere between 11 and two, 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. EST on Thursdays. Um, not sure if we'll have a guest, but uh, hopefully it'll go smoother and less buggy than this one. But thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. Motherfucker screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless Trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets Dead ends dragging out the max amount of payments Red down days got them acting all bankless Yo fam what? Check these token knocks They probing this bear flexing broken knots I had to lay my soul down I'm just roasting knots And then to end a long day 11 bowls of chronic Never known the politic I was born to frolic It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom over impossible loss It's all moss and I'm liking the odds Fondue in the morning forming mycological bonds Flick the cap yo the road is highly involved Flip a coin diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lay Stacked and non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is play for keeps Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybelines They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community All these low-hanging fruits Bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach Coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers Motherfucker screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt we rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served